This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. In Jesus' name. Now your best shout out. On the screen, you hear me talk about it all the time. Uh, the three words that we're all about, love, power, and community. But today, I want to pick out just the one that is probably much more hard to define. It's the one that we probably can be all over the spectrum with, and it's the word power. It, when you say the word power, and I try to define that every week, meaning the Holy Spirit, just that in itself makes it difficult. The Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. So we get the Holy Spirit as a bird. And then we get Jesus saying it's the wind. And that's about all you get unless you really deep dive to try to figure out the Holy Spirit. Jesus, pretty simple. We've got pictures of Jesus, paintings of Jesus, thoughts of Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we get bird and wind. And so we just have people all over the spectrum for what we believe. And so what I would like to do, our church, this is a little different if you're visiting than normal, but I feel like it's needed. And um, our church is growing, and because of that, there are challenges that we face as we grow. And one of them that I think if we're not careful is that we can grow and miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And my heart is that as we grow that the Holy Spirit will always stay in the forefront of what this church is all about and what we're doing here on the corner. And uh, if we're not careful, though, we can come in with all kind of perspectives. When we say Holy Spirit, what one side of the room thinks about the Holy Spirit versus what the other side may think about the Holy Spirit. We come from different denominations. Uh, some people, you say the Holy Spirit, and it's like, well, He was here, but He's gone. There's gifts. They're gone. It's for today, it's not. Then they're speaking in tongues and then that stuff. And then it all gets jumbled up. And because it gets jumbled up, we get into different denominations, different beliefs, what we think is true, what's not true. We wrestle over it. And so I just felt like the, the safest thing I could do would be to tell you what my heart is because I don't want you in a church where you're thinking differently than what I'm thinking. And that you may want something that I'm not even going for. And I don't want you to get five years down the road and go, Oh, I had no clue he believed that. I had no clue that's what they were trying to do. And so I thought today the best thing to do would be to share my heart as a shepherd of the house of this strange word that we run over every week called power. And give you my definition of how the Holy Spirit works in a group of people. How many of you know if we don't have His help, we're the most pitiful of people? We can do our own thing, but our own thing can only get us so far. So we always say in that Bible confession that Ryan just did that we're never the same again because of the Holy Spirit. He comes to change us. Well, how many of you know as we grow, I don't want to grow to the point that we just kiss the Holy Spirit goodbye and think we have our act together. I want to grow and say the whole time we're growing, I want to keep the Holy Spirit in the front of what's going on. Here is my short, brief testimony 
I grew up in a Pentecostal church as a child. Uh, it was wild, I would call it wild church. And by wild, I mean sweating, dancing, shouting, hooping, hollering, speaking in tongues, falling on the floor, getting up on the floor, people running and shouting. And so I've, I've been there. And I've also been, I dated a girl in a Catholic church one time and her mother made me go to Mass if I wanted to date her, so I traded off and went to Mass. So I've been in Mass and I've been in Pentecostal church. How many of you know they're two totally different worlds? <laughs> and, uh, and so my heart is, I, I think I've been around long enough that I've experienced the whole spectrum of what we would call church that's dead and what we would call church that's wild. And because of that, we all have what we may think it is or not. What we think the Holy Spirit is. And so I just want to, here's what I'd love to do today. I want to give you my take as a shepherd of the house of where I think God wants us to go so that as we go, we go together. Let's jump in and look at it. Here is the quintessential verse of spirit-filled living but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere I highlighted the word witnesses because in our brain typically what that's going to do for us is give us a picture of somebody passing out tracks or holding a sign that says turn or burn repent or go to hell a witnesser, somebody that says, hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, have I ever told you about Jesus? But that word witness is not what that's talking about. It's not talking about you being at the mall trying to tell everybody in the food court that they're going to hell unless they're born again. That may be a valid thing to do, but it's not this word. This word in pink, my witnesses, you have to come out the street and into a courtroom. It is the thinking that you have been called to trial to testify in a court before a peers of jury about a situation. And the situation is, is Jesus alive? So when he says you'll be my witnesses, what it's saying is your life will be on the jury stand of the world to testify either God is real or he is not real and your life is the evidence. So whether I ever hold the sign or not, you should be able to hang out with any Jesus follower. And because of the Spirit of God, your life would testify Jesus is real by simply hanging out with me. You want to know if he's real, come over, hang out at my house and watch me do live. I'm not saying I'll do it all right all the time. I have my good days and my bad days. But overall, my prayer is, whether I ever get a tattoo or a sign or wear a Jesus bracelet or a cross or a crucifix or a God is my co-pilot bumper sticker, whether I have zero of that, you should be able to hang out with me long enough to know that boy right there is a manifestation of the life of Jesus. Now, that is what Jesus wanted out of everybody. Everybody in the room was to be the manifestation of Jesus' reality through the Holy Spirit. And that's where it gets really strange. Because when you say the Holy Spirit, it's typically coupled with feelings. Oh, I felt that. Oh, whoo, did you feel that? Oh, man, you could feel it in the room. Oh, my hair was standing up. Oh, could you? Oh, you could just... And then we, if we've been around a long time, oh, you could just sense the anointing. 
Oh, and at the weirdest of times, the person that's going, oh, you could just sense the anointing. Somebody else has their arms folded going, this is the most boring church service. I just don't like this. It's just weird. If we really just look at feelings. At any given day, God could be in the room or not in the room if we go on feelings. But if we don't go on feelings, He's always in the room. If we're here, He's here. Here is the scriptures that I want to walk you through today. I hope it will be enlightening and entertaining, a little bit of funny, and a little bit of challenging as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you in the blue to misunderstand this. Next verse. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Here's the thought. We may be passionate about the Holy Spirit, but passion coupled with misunderstanding can lead more to hindering a group of people than helping them. Like we can be passionate. Hoop, holler, woo, Jesus, yeah, go, glory, run. But at the end of the day, if we walk out the door with misunderstanding or handle it with misunderstanding, then that can hinder rather than help. So if we're not careful, we'll just think my passion for Jesus is all that's needed, but passion without understanding can be deadly. Passion without understanding can be very reckless. But I like passion. I like to feel it. I like to talk it. So let's run through how do we move in the Holy Spirit in a church as we grow? How do we keep the Spirit of God here to work with us? Here's the first one. We have to understand, and this should be, you know, typical. And what I mean by this word, we have to understand the Spirit is a person. By a person, He's a being. He's not a feeling. He's not a goose bump. He's not the hair on the back of your neck standing up. Oh, whoo, I could just feel. Uh, okay, I'm glad. But He's not a feeling. Because sometimes what you say you feel might not be the Holy Spirit. It might be a C-sharp minor ninth chord that just moved you emotionally. Or a song that made you feel giddy. Or, oh, this is my favorite. We finally sang a song about the blood. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The blood, the blood, the blood. And as soon as we said the word blood, you got giddy. You went back to the 1960s. You felt all, oh, just whoo. And then all of a sudden they start singing, I could lay in my bed and shield. And you're like, oh, there went the anointing. Ugh. Just because of feelings. But I can go on a date with Robin and put Journey on. We all need the clouds to make us smile. Restless hearts. Sleep alone. And I just start crying. I was like, <laughs> I'm forever yours faithfully, honey. Well, is the anointing in the car because I'm crying at journey? Because I'm having this emotional moment. So here's what we know. Just because we feel giddy and emotional, it's not a green check mark that it was the Holy Spirit. Because you can feel giddy about anything. It's why, again, I say in any given gathering, you can have people say God wasn't there and other people going, it changed my life forever. And it's the same room with the same message. So if we come to this thought that the Holy Spirit is a person, I'll just give you a couple of scriptures without belaboring the thought. This is Jesus from John 14. I highlighted all the words we would pick out. 
Jesus says, I'm going to give you another advocate, verse 16, and chooses the word who. Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit, who the world cannot receive him. And the last line, because he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus very much affirms that the Holy Spirit isn't a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a being of the Godhead that wants to live on the inside of you. He wants to do life with you. Right now in this room, the Holy Spirit wants to do life with us on this corner. When we gather together, He shows up. He wants to work with His kids. Here is the issue with that. that Because He is a person. Ephesians 4.30 And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Because he's not a feeling, he's a person, the Bible teaches me that the way I act and the way I live, here's a strange thought, can actually bring sorrow to God. That means we could be in this room clapping, shouting, and praising, but at the same time, we're giddy, we're happy, but my life is bringing sorrow to him. Hence, I go back to laying out on the floor, jumping, shouting, clapping, speaking in tongues. And when it's all over, we feel good. Like, man, that was such a good service. But then walk out the door, and by the time I'm in the car, I'm arguing with my wife, I'm acting like a jerk, and the very God that I was in here giddy about, I'm bringing him sorrow before I ever get to the car. So the goal of the Holy Spirit isn't to have an experience. Those are fun. I love them. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to move in your life so that you bring Him pleasure rather than sorrow. So that when you walk out the door, whether the church was boring or fun or good or exciting, by the time I hit the door, the goal of the gathering is my heart was to be confronted so that I could become different. And I would become a better person. And that my life would put a smile on his face. I don't have the statistics, but it would be a good study to determine how many people go to church and have experiences with God, but in their base level of life, they bring him sorrow throughout the day. With their thoughts, their thinking, their talk. So let's start here with the Holy Spirit. When we say Pentecostal, when we say power... We're a spirit-filled church. We're a Pentecostal church, roots. We're all of that. What we mean is it's not about excitement. It's about a person. And that person governs the room and governs the heart. So let's start there. The second thing is this. It's not fun. I don't know why. I've said it a lot. But the Holy Spirit has to work with people. And that's just terrible. Because we're all over the spectrum. Mean people, fat people, skinny people, addicted people, abusing people, perverted people, happy people, rich people, poor people, smart people, stupid people. All over the spectrum. Racist people, transgender people, gay people, straight people. He just works with people. And the weird thing about that is I always want to say, why? Why did you choose this broken, motley crew of humans to work through? So when we say on Sunday morning, we're a place of power. If we can't handle people, 
we won't go very far. Because coming through the door, not everybody's going to be mature. Not everybody's going to think like you, act like you, smell like you, talk like you, do church like you. Some are coming broken hunting. Some are coming to make a statement. Some are coming because their parents made them. Some are coming because they want to come. But because it's people, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of the Holy Spirit working on a spectrum in a room. So that on any given Sunday, you have immature believers, you have mature believers, and stuck in the middle, people who don't believe at all. And God lumps us all in a room and we go, let's have church. And so some people are laying on the floor, this is God. And other people are in the back going, oh, that ain't God. Oh, God, that's not God. I'm not going back. That can't be God. And other people walk out the door, oh, God was here today. Did you just see how that person just went flat out in the Holy Ghost? Oh, you can feel it. And somebody else watches them go flat out in the Holy Ghost. And I go, dude, did he pass out? Why didn't anybody help him? Why didn't they call 911? <laughs> All about people. So as we grow, we have to be mature to handle people. Not everybody's going to come in the room. You may have some Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterian, Catholics, recovering Catholics. You may have people who can't stand God, sick of religion, deconstructing, reconstructing, coming to check us out because somebody said something was happening on the corner. And so if you lump all that in with not really knowing where we're going, it can get muddy pretty quickly, which is kind of what I wanted to do today. I just, I don't want you taken by surprise. I want you to know what my heart is so as we grow, you, you can determine is this bus the bus you want to be on. Because if it's not, as I always say, I'll help you find a good church. There's a lot of them out there. I'll help you plug in. But I don't want you here five years later going, well, I had no clue that's what he was doing when he said power. So that's my goal today. Here's the thought, though, with people. Love always has to be the highest goal. We have to love everybody. Now I know sometimes people irritate us, but we have to love them. We have to be willing to be in an environment that loves people. It gives people space to be on the spectrum of their journey. And when I say people, I mean everybody is on a journey. I've got some friends that drink. I've got some friends that smoke. I've got some that smoke weed. I've got some that are struggling with this, some that, and i got others over here that are just, man, just Pharisees, great. They, they know more Bible than the Bible. I've got friends all across the spectrum, and I sit somewhere kind of in the middle this way. Like, oh, I'm still trying to get my act together. I love, but I try to live in such a way to inspire those that are behind me to become more godly. And I try to look this way to people like my dad and other men and people and women in my life that inspire me to become more godly. And I have to be mature enough that to this way, I need to live like God, godly to inspire people to be more godly, but I also need to be smart enough to go, well, I hadn't arrived yet. I need more people to help me be more godly. That's what I mean by being on a spectrum is that we just need to have peace that if I'm over here at level 9 and somebody's at a 1, don't just throw things at me. Don't just lob bombs of Bible verses. Get a tattoo, you go to hell. You know, I mean, we're all on a spectrum here. 
So let's encourage each other as we come in. Now, if we're smart about that and we understand that, it's easier to grow. Because when somebody comes in and irritates you, all you got to do is rather than they irritate, just hey, we're just on a different place of the spectrum. And I've got to offer love. Here's the second thing. I don't like this one, but it's fun. All people have personality. There's mean ones, happy ones, sad ones, quiet ones, introverted ones, extroverted ones. But because we all have personality, if we're not careful, we will judge each other for how much we think you're engaging with the Holy Spirit. Because Pentecostals want everybody to shout, everybody needs to run, everybody needs to jump, everybody needs to shout. Come on, everybody, clap, give the Lord a shout of praise. And if everybody does it, we feel good. But I have to learn that everybody in the room has a personality. So when we grow, we're not going to grow with just one personality. It's healthy that we all bring a personality to the table. I am a crier. I know I'm, I, try, I get tattoos to be manly, but I live with all women. I cry at the drop of a hat. Robin says, let's watch this show. As soon as she turns it on, I just go ahead and start crying. Like I pre-cry. Like I know I'm going to cry. I'm just going to pre-cry. Just do a pre-cry. Get it out of the way. Like I try to be manly. I try to stand up to go to the bathroom. I try to be a manly. <laughs> but I live 33 years with women. So I'm very tender-hearted about things. Emotional. I, you know, I'm a crier. So when God moves in a room, first thing, I don't. I'm not a dancer. Look at this body. Come on, somebody, let's dance. I'm like, I mean, if I start dancing, my pits sweat, then, then I'm up here talking, you just see wet. That's ugly. I have to have an inhaler if I jump too much. That's not, I'm getting excited about God, then all of a sudden, hang on, Lord. Okay, I'm back in, God, you know. I just, I'm not a dancer. I like clapping, but usually just to keep beat because white people can't stay on beat. And I try to, come on, get on the beat, get on the beat. But I'm a crier. So when God moves on me, I'm crying. But Sam is a shouter. Yep. Jesus. Every Sunday you'll hear him from the back. It's not that we clogged the toilet or anything. Sam's just happy. Jesus. If you yell Jesus in my home, somebody's clogged the toilet. <laughs> What's wrong? What, who's yelling Jesus? What's blowing up? But you yell Jesus here, it's all sounds excited, Jesus. But if you look at my dad, this is my dad's level of excitement. Like the whole room is dancing. You look over at him, he's just... And then about 10 minutes in, he just sits down. Like everybody in the room, yes, Lord. You look over at him, his eyes are closed, and he's just, and like he's happy. He's 110% happy in love with God, expressing his most exuberant praise. Give God your best. Yes, Lord. Now, that used to irritate me. I'm like, Dad, jump up. Get excited. And he said, I am. I could tell him right now, Dad, we won $10 million and prayed to, paid the church off. He'd be like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I always knew it happened. My mother's loud. Come on, somebody. You ever get lost, just listen. You'll find her. 
She just, we all have personalities. Some of us love to sit in the very corner with our arms folded and just, but that doesn't mean they don't love the Lord. But yet Pentecostals will judge you. We well, just sit there with your arms folded on the back row. It's because I like the back row. I don't like people to talk to me during community. That's why I go to the bathroom. I don't want to talk to God's people. I barely like them. I just, but that doesn't make them a bad person. That's their personality. Their personality at community time is they go to the bathroom because they don't like people. But I can't get mad at that. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have to be mature to understand there will be clappers in the room, shouters in the room, dancers in the room, criers in the room, praisers in the room, sitters in the room, standers in the room. That's okay. That's our personality. It's healthy. It's healthy to bring vibrant. And if you say, well, I just, I just don't like that guy that claps so loud, then move. Just go to this side of the building. Sit with the introverts. Just hang out. Don't get bitter. Well, that person always shouts, Jesus! Well, either go shout with him, Jesus! Or just sit over here and go, what? <laughs> right? But it's amazing how personalities will irritate people. Don't get irritated. Just let people express God the way they want to. If I'm crying, let me cry. If you're shouting, I'll let you shout. If you're a dancer, just don't run into people. Just be thoughtful. If you pull a hip, we'll pray for you. But just because you're excited and dancing and tw ten other people aren't, don't call them unpassionate people. And just because in the middle of praise, someone's sitting down with their arms like this, doesn't mean they're not passionate about God. Because we all have a personality. And God likes it that way. God likes dad being peaceful. God loves me crying. God likes us to, because that's what makes for the beauty of the body of God. It's when we demand that everybody act the same that it starts becoming sickly. To stay healthy, we need the variety of God in the room. Here's the next one. Oh, this is a big one. Preferences. We all have preferences. It's the most irritating thing in the world is preferences. Pastor, what? It's cold in here. Oh, God. Jesus. Okay. Hey, Chris, cut the air. They're cold. They're cold. Hey, Pastor, what? It's hot in here. Oh, God, I just told Chris to cut the air. Hey, Chris, cut the air back up. She's menopausal. Cut it up. She's hot. Hey, Pastor, the fans are too fast. Oh, God. Hey, Chris, cut the fans off. Hey, Pastor, we need the fans. It feels dead. Hey, Chris, cut the fans back on. Like it's always that way. Like... <laughs> I have typically landed most old people in here are going to be cold. Bring a shawl. Most fat people are sweating. Get over it. Right? There's no way to make everybody happy. So when we gather... Your personal preferences take a back seat to the whole thing. But we all have preferences. Some like elevation worship. Some like Bethel. Some like the hymns. Some like singing about power in the blood. Some like the old songs. Some like it loud. Some like it quiet. It's just too loud. Can you turn it down? As soon as we turn it down, dude, I can barely hear. Can you turn the bass up and the drums? 
Hey, Derek, turn the bass back up. We can't hear. Derek, turn it back down. It's too loud. Right? And it's just this constant balance that if we're not careful, we'll come through the door selfish rather than submitted. There's no way possible to gather 400 people and all of our preferences are the same. Sometimes Michael stands on the stage and he sings. I'm like, why in God's name is he singing that song? Yeah, just, I've even said it before. I could lay in my bed and she'll... Half people don't even know what Sheol is, Michael. It's hell. I don't want to be singing about making my bed in hell. I want to sing something more exciting. But I let Michael pick it. The team likes it. And other people in here are shouting, Yes, I could lay my bed in Sheol. And I'm in the back going, God, hurry up and get over this song. But I, hey man, Miss Ann, Miss Ann doesn't like it either. We're, we're ta- we text each other in the middle of it. How are you doing? Are you hanging in there? I know I hate it too. But she keeps coming back. She just chooses during that song not to sing. She just starts praying in tongues under her breath, hoping we all don't get led astray. (laughs) Right? That's okay. I used to lead worship. For 17 years I led worship. It is the most frustrating thing to try to read a room. Because as a worship leader, you want everybody clapping and shouting, and and especially as a pastor. I've told you this a thousand times. I like when you talk back. I'm Pentecostal. I love the amens. I love Sam going, Jesus. I love, yep. I like it. It just makes me feel better. That's my preference. I don't like smoke machine and lights and laser lights. It's not because I think they're demonic. I have ADHD. If they were going, I'd be watching them going, oh, that was cool. Wow, that was cool. Like, I wouldn't even be worshiping God. I'd be like, oh, the smoke machine. Man, look at the lights. That is so neat. Ugh. Like, God would be going, Mark, Mark. And I'd be like, what, what, wait a minute. Well, oh, look at that. So look what you get here. This is my personality, just white walls, just living room, because I don't get distracted. I just can pay attention. Well, that's just my preference. It doesn't make this right or wrong. It doesn't mean we're better than anybody or smoke machines are wrong or right. I like a little one-foot stage. I don't like being up looking down on people. I like mingling with people. You don't bother me. Some pastors like green rooms and they come out in a golf cart and get ushered up. (laughs) Preferences. Just preferences. Some don't like to stand so long. I feel like we stand too long. Preferences. When we started doing communion, some people were like, I don't know, weekly communion. Preferences. We all have them. We should have them. Like my preference of music, bluegrass. But you'll never hear it on this stage. I might show up one time before I retire with a banjo. But guess what? When I walk in and Michael's not singing bluegrass, it's cool. I just walk right out after church. I get back in my car. I listen to bluegrass. Preferences. But if you're not careful, we'll come in the door with our preferences. And our preferences will become our God. And we'll get our feelings hurt. Nobody cares about me. They don't do church the way I want to do it. And I'm just letting us know, letting you know where I stand. I'm glad you have preferences. I I love them. You want to sit, sit. You want to stand, stand. 
but I don't want to be a shepherd where your preferences become my God. I'm just trying to, at the end of the day, be able to go home and go, Holy Spirit, I hope you were happy today. That's what I was trying to do. Whatever Michael's saying, whatever I spoke, whatever Bible verse we read, however we did it, is that we have preferences. I like the Spirit of God in the room. When years ago I was invited, some guy said, man, you need to come. There's revival going on. Holy Ghost is just breaking out. I'm like, all right, I'm coming. I'm there, man. Count me in. I'm there. I'm going. So I go. I walk in the room. There were people barking like dogs. Like, woo, woo, woo. And I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. And then somebody else, not somebody, cerebral. Oh, 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 oh. And as soon as I came in the room and I hear, oh, 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 I'm thinking, no, 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 I don't want to be here. I do not. This is a different Holy Ghost that I know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's the same Holy Ghost, different day, but I don't like that. That's my preference. I don't know if their barking was God or not, or their O was a God thing, or if they were just doing how they were raised or what they saw, but it was preferences. And it wasn't my preference. Because I'm like, I need to get out of here and go to Waffle House. Ah, wow. I've seen a lot, but I've never seen this. We were at a meeting. There was about 100 people at an altar call with an evangelist. And he was going by laying hands on people. And every time he laid hands on them, they'd smack. They'd hit the floor. He'd lay hands, smack, hit the floor. Lay hands, smack, hit the floor. It was fine with me. Grew up that way. I knew what that meant. That meant when they laid hands, you went down because God touched you. But if God didn't touch you, you win anyway. It's called a courtesy drop. You just, because you didn't want to be stupid. So everybody else is falling. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm out. You know, hey, make sure somebody's going to catch me because that's going to hurt, you know. I grew up that way. I guess some people faked it and fell. Some people really fell. But I was in this meeting. Evangelist is going down. There's probably 20 people laid out on the floor, look like minnows and tadpoles out of a fishbowl. He comes to this 23-year-old kid. Lays his hand on the kid, I guess. Nobody told the kid you got to fall. Like he didn't get that memo. I guess he was so in tune with God, he didn't open his eyes and like, you're number 20 to fall and you ain't falling. Because if I would have seen the whole line and I'm next, whether I felt God or not, I'm smart enough to know, well, I'm going down. So I would have probably just helped him out and went and just sat on the floor before he prayed for me. Just, okay, go ahead, I'm out. Nobody told this boy what to do. So he laid hands on him. The boy didn't fall. I was on the back wall. I'm used to it. I'm watching everybody go out, so I'm kind of used to it. He stops the entire meeting. There's about 400 people in the room. He stops the praise band. He says, this little boy right here, he's a brick. He's a brick with a hard heart. God's trying to touch him. Well, you could hear a pin drop because I'm on the back, on the wall. And as soon as he called the boy brick, I was like, oh, hell no, 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 God, no, 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 no. He's not a brick. He's not a brick. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Well, as soon as he laid his hands on him, what do you think the boy did? What any of us would have done. I don't want to be a brick. I don't want to be a hard heart. Smack. Everybody that I remember in the, being there Cheered. Woo! 
God put some mortar on the brick. Glory to God. God is touching his heart. And he went down the line. Well, we all know statistically everybody's fallen now. Because I don't want to be a brick. I don't, have, I don't even want to be a cinder block. I, I just, I'm going. Well, we're all clapping, shouting, God's in the room. At least that's what was said. The Spirit of God is here. And I'm sure it was. I mean, you could, you know, it was fun, whatever it was. There's people, they're shouting, they're hooping, there's hollering, there's cheering, there's a brick that just got mortared. Oh, God is good. He gets up off the ground. I'm in the back. I watch him walk out the door. And I have this overwhelming daddy sense of a father of, I better go check on him. So I followed him out the door. I followed him to the back of the church where the kitchen was. He's sitting in a chair sobbing. This was his words. I just love Jesus. I didn't think I was a brick. I didn't think I had a hard heart. I just wanted more of God. And I had to talk with him about 30 minutes to try to encourage him on who he is in Christ. And don't, you're not a brick and it's okay. Preferences. To the evangelist, the more people that go out, God must be in the room. But to the young boy that hits the ground who's a brick, my preferences can rob the moment. I have to be mature to understand that my preferences must bow to the overall goal of what God wants and not me. But we all have them. Here's, here's the scripture verse. It's interesting. It's not talked about much. but 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Even so, if unbelievers, the people who don't believe Jesus is God, who don't understand come in and see these things, and they come to your church meeting, meaning some people may come to the corner who don't believe in Jesus, and they hear everybody speaking in an unknown language, they'll, here's the, in the blue, they'll think you're crazy. He said, but if they come to your meeting and understand, they'll be convicted. And in any gathering, here's the two things that are possible. We can either be seen as crazy people or people who bring conviction. And here's the deal. We don't want to go to a place to where we think the crazier we are the more godly it is. Because God's own comment of His own spirit is, I won't move in such a way that people think you're crazy. Because He would rather touch more hearts and conviction than run people out the door going, that's the nuttiest group of people I've ever seen. Now my Pentecostal background says, I like that. You ought to know I'm nutty. I'm crazy for God. I'm passionate for His Spirit. Oh, shalala, come here, come here, come here. I'm going to get the devil out of you right now. I like old Pentecostal. But if I'm not careful, my preferences can make Mark look crazy rather than bringing conviction to people. And we've got to be careful as we grow that we don't just become crazy, but we become places of conviction. Here's the final one. Your private worship, how you live your life, has to give way to public worship. What you do at home, how loud you worship, how crazy you sing in the shower, whether you dance for hours in your house, whether you kneel, whether you have prayer closets, listen to worship loud, not read your Bible and cry. All of those things are great, but when you gather publicly, private always submits to public. 
I call it this, me God versus we God. It's Mark Evans in his private own worship time versus when I gather with more of God's people. Here's what the Bible will say about it. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but what God is after is He wants the whole church strengthened. God's good with you being strengthened Monday through Saturday, but when you show up, the group gathering takes precedence over the personal. The second verse is this. I'll give you about five of them. Four, they're all in Corinthians 14. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, who's going to praise with you? Verse 17, you'll be giving thanks, but it won't strengthen the people. So that when I come together, I need to realize my own praise needs to happen in such a way that everybody's strengthened, not just me. Because if I'm not careful, I can show up selfish. I can make the whole thing about me. I want the room right. I want the songs right. I want the moment right. It's about me. It's good, but when I walk in a room full of people, it's not. It's about us. But everything that's done should be done to do what? Strengthen all of us. And then the final verse. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And then it just labels it as in all the meetings. As in all the meetings. So last week is... For those of you that were here, I had a moment where I had to make a decision as a shepherd of the house. It was awkward if you were here. I won't belabor the point. But I was sitting on the back wall. I had come up. I had told Michael, let's sing it again. Everybody give your most exuberant praise. For me, exuberant was crying. and For others, they were shouting and clapping and singing louder than before. The band was playing louder than before. And someone, a first-time guest, got up. I'd met them coming in the door. They'd never been here. Got up and came running across the front, praying in tongues. And I was in the back, and I heard it, and I thought, oh, wow, okay, good. Somebody's excited. Praise God. I would rather bridle excitement than beat a donkey. I mean, that's just my feeling. I'd rather put a bridle on a stallion going somewhere than have to drag a mule. So I was good. I'm like, man, praise God, we're Pentecost, we're spirit-filled, go for it. And she did. She hollered and prayed in tongues and screamed in tongues and hollered and prayed and shouted. And I was in the back going, okay, she's having her moment. I'm good. We all have personalities. I'm good. That's her moment. But after a minute, I started thinking, okay, well, I feel like her moment's over. I mean, that's just my thinking. My thinking is, okay, she's had a moment. I'm good. But I feel like her moment's like way beyond what I would think a moment would be. And she went back to her seat and kept hollering and shouting and hollering and shouting and shouting and hollering. And I'm having a watching someone lead up here who's saying to Michael, I can't hear because it's so loud. So I'm on the back, Mark, who hates confrontation. I'm on the back going, oh God, let somebody say something to her. I'm the pastor of the church. And I'm going, God, let somebody say something. Oh, Garth's right behind her. Garth can do it. He's military. Uh, Sam used to be a meth addict. I bet he could do it. Oh, where's Chris Redmond when you need him, Chris? Chris ain't scared of nobody. He ain't even here today. Oh, God. And then I start thinking, come on, Mom, Mom. Jesus. Mother, you've been there. Do something. 
I look at my dad, and he's just... I'm like, oh, God, Dad, no, no. So I'm literally having that moment. I'm like, oh, Jesus, somebody do something. And then I'm like, intercessors, intercessors. So I look at Ann, and Ann's like, and I'm like, no, Ann, don't pray. Go get her. Get her. Sick of man. Sick him. You got him. I don't need you to pray. You're an intercessor. Go do something. Like, that's my personality. I hate confrontation. I don't enjoy it. It's just weird. And I'm on the back, and I suddenly just think, okay, oh, Jesus, I'm a pastor. I better do something. So I walked up on the stage, and I thought, all right, just being up here, she'll get quiet, and everything will be fine, and praise God. And, and so it didn't happen. And so in that moment, I had to call her name and go, shh, shh. Now, I personal. I felt like the biggest jerk on the planet. But I knew I wasn't being a jerk. I was trying to do what would please the Spirit of God for all of us and not just one. Because I can't just allow one to override all of us in the room except it be a God thing and then you have to let God be God, right? So I did what I did. I went about my day thinking, oh, that's terrible. I don't ever want to do that again. I started calling people going, next time you need to help. I don't know what to do. I hate this. I'm, I'm binging on cherry queso because I'm falling apart, you know. And, um, but I started getting texts, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So what I want to say is this as we move forward. I'm not trying to stop God. I'm not trying to stop you from having a moment. I want you to experience His presence. And if that means you want to shout or dance, I try to give space to that. But I also try to say giving space to something is great until that something becomes the God. And then that has to bow to the something. And that something is order. And so I just wanted you to know as we move forward, I'm not trying to stifle what God wants to do. I'm trying to make an environment where what He wants to do will be honored. And everybody in the room will benefit from it. And that might be a tongue. That might be an interpretation. It might be a shout. It might be a prayer. It might just be we all sit quiet. We don't do that well, charismatics. But just to be quiet. So let me give you this as we close. I wrote this out last night of where I would love to go as a church. We will make room for the Holy Spirit's presence, encouraging all to engage with His power, submitting our personal preferences to biblical order, maintaining a discipline of spirit lordship so that unbelievers are convicted and believers are matured, that it may be declared by all God is truly among us. That's what my heart is. Let me give you two scriptures and then we'll end. And this is what I meant when I started to share my heart with you. As they listen in the yellow, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they'll fall to their knees and worship God declaring, and this is what I want for the corner, that people who come in will say God is truly here. Not we're just crazy, not that we're dead, but that God is here. But it says something at the beginning in yellow as they listen. Look at this next verse. 
Jesus, seven times to seven churches, says the same identical thing. All of those churches have people, all of the churches have personalities, and all of the churches have preferences. Jesus rebukes some of them and encourages some of them, meaning He knows every church will have people, personality, and preferences. Sometimes they're favored and sometimes they may be rebuked by Him. But to all seven, He says the same thing. If you have an ear to hear, listen, and you will be victorious. I have learned in my years of following the Holy Spirit, here is the thought. The clapping is great, I love it. The shouting is wonderful and the dancing and the speaking in tongues. They're all wonderful ways to express God. But if you want victory in everyday life, we have to learn to listen and to understand. And if you ever want to know the power of that, raise a child. They may be incredible at a sport, run, lift, dance, do great at school, but you want to find something frustrating, raise a kid that won't listen. It's frustrating. How would God feel if we're all shouting, dancing, hooping, praising His name, calling Him by who He is, you're Yahweh, you're God, you're the provider, and then walk out the door, and as I'm going to my truck, He says, look, Mark, I really appreciate all the shouts you gave me. Mark, but you don't even listen to a thing I say. So that my heart is a shepherd of a Holy Spirit house is this. We'll all have the expressions. But at the end of the day, let's be a body that listens. And that understands and becomes everything He wants us to be. And if we do that, I think we can grow well. I think we can grow healthy. I think we can see the Spirit manifest His power. Lives can be changed. And we can do it in a way where God is honored in the house. Amen? Stand up with me and let me pray.